So, no, I think that's pretty smart. But I think we do have Kat there. Uh, are you with us, Kat? I am, guys. Yes, we got you. Simon, thanks for your time, mate. Hey, what, what did you make of um, what happened yesterday? Oh, I can't get my head around how we can abandon play due to bad light, 2.30 on a summer's day in Sydney when there's a full set of lights there, Kat. But that's my view. What's yours? Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, we spoke about it when it happened just after probably 2 o'clock yesterday. And it was disappointing because the forecast said there was rain coming, but the rain didn't come for another probably hour and a half or so. So there was time there that the play could have kept going. Uh, the lights were on. They'd been playing for probably in the same sort of conditions for the best part of an hour or so after the lunch break. So it felt like it hadn't changed that much. But obviously the, the umpires had their you know, the whatever they use out there, the light meters to, to have a look and, and came off. So, yeah, it was disappointing because there was a pretty good crowd here yesterday and Australia were, uh, you know, trying to make sure that they got a, a decent first innings total. Was the light that bad? It didn't feel like it was that bad. I mean, I think given the pace of the Pakistan attack, there was only really Jamal that was bowling sort of high 130s and, yep. you know, Kawaja got out, but it wasn't due to the light. I mean, it, it was just... One of those things, he gloved one down the leg side. But they were bowling spin at one end. So, realistically, I don't think it was that dangerous. And, and I've certainly played in games in England in county cricket, which have been darker than that. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that because you're, you're a man who put his body on the line for 56 test matches for his country. Has your view changed from the commentary box as opposed to when you're a player? Because Ricky Ponting was was defensive yesterday, saying oh, it's, the, it's the right call. Pat Cummins wasn't too distressed about the fact that play was abandoned. He said you give the players a choice, they're going to take the option to go off. Has your view changed from, from the other side? Uh, it depends, because I think there were times when I was playing where if it was you know, really bad, then you, you obviously you have to come off and the conditions have changed. But there are a lot of times where if you keep going and in those conditions, you know, if you get on a roll as a batsman and you're feeling like you're in then you want to stay out there. You don't want to actually have to stop start all the time. And that's I think that was something that I learned during my career. There were times where, you know, the light was dull, but you kept going on and, and you end up reaping the rewards because you'd get in and, and be able to score runs because the other team might start focusing about, you know, going off. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, I mean, today, yes, there's clouds around at the moment, but it certainly looks, looks a lot brighter and uh, there's a fair bit of blue sky, so I think the forecast is better and hopefully we'll get a full day's playing and, and catch up a bit of time for yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about the on-field action. It was pretty slow going for the Aussies and um, we just had a combination of the, the pitch and the wicket, which is a, looking a bit patchy and a bit dry, but uh, looks can be deceiving or was it Pakistan's good performance? I think it's a combination of both. I think there's definitely a little bit of a two-paced nature to this wicket and we saw uh, a fair bit of turn already. Uh, obviously, the ball that got Warner out, that turned quite a bit, bounced a bit. Uh, and I think in terms of Australia's plan, it just looks like they want to make sure that this is a big first innings. And then in the process of batting long, they want to see this wicket deteriorate. So the next time Pakistan bat, they're going to have to work really hard to survive and score their runs uh, depending on whether Australia get a lead or not. So it just looks like Australia's got that plan to, to bat big in the first innings and make it a 400-plus total. Yeah, no doubt. And and Pakistan have two off-spinners in their lineup. Um, Sajid Khan came into the lineup. Now, he's a specialist spin bowler. And Selman uh, got the wicket of Dave Warner. But they're very different off-spinners, aren't they? Do you want to explain a little bit of that, Kat? Yeah, they are. And I think uh, it was mentioned on commentary yesterday that Selman actually looked more threatening. And, and that's because he gives the ball a, a bigger rip. Uh, he was spinning it more. I'm 
curious to find out today what the average degrees of spin were compared to day one and two. Haven't seen it yet, but it, it looked like he got a couple of balls to probably spin almost as much as Nathan Lyon, who, you know, his record in these conditions are, are second to none in Australia as an off spinner. So Sajid Khan has found it tough in his test career so far. He plays on flat wickets in Pakistan. And it looks like he's sort of more reliant on changes of pace than he is actually really giving the ball a rip. Whereas Salman looks like he gets a lot more work on the seam and, and it can drop and spin. And we saw that even in Melbourne. He got David Warner out, I think, in the first innings, caught it first slip uh, to a, quite a full ball that sort of dipped a little bit and, and spun away on day one, So just before lunch. So I think he's got a bit about him. And I think Pakistan was sort of forced into a corner to play Sajid Khan because... Abrar Ahmed has had a fantastic start to his test career. Did really well against England earlier in the year in Pakistan. The leggy. And, and he's sort of, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a mystery spinner. Got everything. Yeah. And, um, but he got injured, I think, in the Manika, in the PM's 11. So he hasn't played because of a knee injury. And then Norman Ali would have played here, the tall left arm, orthodox. But he got appendicitis, I think, recently when they were in Melbourne. And he had the operation, then flew home. So... I think they've sort of been limited and, and Sajid was the last man standing. Yeah, well, <laughs> Sajid may come into his own as the, the wicket breaks up a little bit more and that sort of style firing it in, a bit like Jadeja, complete different arm. But the way that, uh, you know, I'm trying to paint a picture for those that haven't quite seen the style, maybe that'll work a bit later. Have you been impressed with Amir Jamal? Very impressed. And not just because of his results, more so because of his spirit. Yeah. You can just see the way he plays. He's 27. He's done it the hard way. He hasn't been gifted the opportunity. You know, he came out here to play for Hawkesbury in Sydney grade cricket. He worked as a taxi driver. You know, fantastic journey. He probably wasn't supposed to play on this tour. Then with all the injuries that happened with Nassim Shah and, and then injuries, I mean, Hassan Ali didn't play the first test, so he obviously had a bit of a niggle. Uh, he's got this opportunity and he's grabbed it. And what I've loved is he's bowled with lively pace. I think he's got a couple of balls over 140. Um, he's been prepared to do what the skippers asked. Yesterday, came on, they had a short field, and he, third ball, he got the wicket of Kawaja caught down the leg side off the glove, and, and he looked like he was going to pepper Steve Smith as soon as he came to the crease. So I, I've been really impressed with him, and not just the bowling, the batting as well. I mean, he's batted with a lot of heart. He got bounced in Melbourne. He, he sort of took his eye off it and looked awkward. And then here, day one at the SCG, the Aussies thought they'd do the same to him. And he just kept pumping him into the Brewongle stand for yeah. six and four. So with about four blokes back on the boundary. So he's got a bit about him. And, and I think uh, Pakistan have unearthed another good young player. Simon Kadich is with us live from the commentary box at the SCG. SEN's coverage of the cricket continues this morning, day three. Hopefully we get some some more action or a full day's play. Hey, Kat, Pete Lawler spoke on, on SEN's coverage yesterday. He's also written about... Uh, the growing momentum for Stephen Smith to take David Warner's place uh, to open the batting. What was your first response when you heard this mooted? Yeah, it's funny. I had been asked about this in a few weeks or a few weeks ago, and, and felt that Cameron Green was suited to come up the order. But if Australia think reshuffling the batting, and it's been done before in the past, plenty of guys have sort of batted at three or down the order and moved up to open. It really is just a shift in mindset. And I think when you look at Steve Smith's uh, test career and his numbers, he's thrived at number three and four. Obviously, he's been you know, averaging over 60 in both spots. So they're wonderful numbers. 
now at four, there was probably a few years ago where he didn't have a great series against the Kiwis, and a lot of that was because the top three, the engine room, were doing a magnificent job, and he was coming out with the job pretty much already done. And and I think the great players, they don't get as enthused when, you know, they walk out to bat and there's already 300 on the board. So, mm. you know, if, if Steve Smith sees this as a challenge that he wants to take on, I've got no problem with that. I think that, uh, you know, he's... He's the best player in the team. He's the most experienced. He's probably not in the best form of any of these guys in the team. Um, you know, there's a few of the boys like Uzma Kawaja's last 18 months have been superb. And obviously, Head and, and Mitch Marsh have been in great nick. But we know with great players is they'll find a way. And if there's a new challenge for Steve Smith and he wants to take it, then by all means, I think it's... Uh, and if it means that someone like Cameron Green gets back into the team and gets to bat, I think, it, I think he's better suited to batting higher. And if that's what they want to do... Um, then it allows them to reshuffle when he potentially bats at four, which is where he's made the bulk of his runs for WA, and he has a strong first-class record of just over 46. Yeah, there's no question. But no one's more qualified than you because you actually did that in in your career. You changed from being that sort of higher middle order, I suppose, if you like, to, to going to open the batting for Australia. What was the change for you personally? And do you think, you know, Steve Smith is capable of this? Yeah, it was interesting because I got back in... Uh, in 2008 when they'd said to me they were never going to pick me again and I'd batted at four all season for New South Wales in that 07-08 season purely because of the players we had here. We had Young Hughes starting and Kawaja and Jakes and these guys so purely for team dynamic I batted at four but then when the opportunity came for Australia and they said well you either got to open or bat at six I said I'm happy to open Um, because I knew that was probably where there was more likely to be an opportunity with Matty Hayden coming to the end of his career and Langer had just retired. Um, if anything, the only change that was for me was just the mindset. Um, but I think I'd been pretty well prepared over a long first-class career, batting at three or four and used to facing a new ball in those roles. So it didn't come as a huge culture shock for me from a technique perspective. It was more just getting my head around the fact that if we win the toss and bat, I'm going straight out there. And if anything, I reckon it, it suited me because... I didn't sit around and waste any nervous energy waiting to bat, you know, down the order. So at that stage of my career, later on, it, it certainly worked. I wish I'd done it earlier. <laughs> you're very <laughs> modest in the way you put it because uh, it was a record-breaking season and you're impossible to shoehorn out. There were hundreds left, right and centre. So modesty is uh, certainly part of your policy. But uh, what do you expect to see from the, the, the test match today? Um, you've covered the weather. It looks a bit better. Um, how, how can Australia press their case? Well, I think it'll be based around partnerships. I know that's a lot of their KPIs in Test Cricket around having you know, a certain amount of 150-plus partnerships. And that's something that I think these two in particular, Labashane and Smith, they love batting big. They have had, had a tough time of it in this series, particularly in terms of their strike rates and, and getting on top of the bowlers. So that could be a challenge for them today because this wicket is pretty slow and it is two-paced. So that'll be the challenge. But I think... Once the next wicket falls and, and Travis Head and Mitch Marsh come in and even Alex Carey who played well in the second innings in Melbourne, I think those guys will look to be positive and score. So I think, you know, between all those guys and the partnerships they form, I think there'll be a good combination. We saw it with Mitch Marsh and Smithy in the second innings at Melbourne and they complement each other beautifully. So I just see that being the case in Australia trying to bat the day. Cap, before we let you go, uh, West Indies uh, are here or coming later this month, um, and you've mentioned uh, Cameron Green. You wanted to see him get an opportunity, and there's a place there for him or another batsman with Warner going out. Is there anyone else you want to have a look at for, for the rest of the summer? 
Oh, look, there'd be a number of players you'd love to see, but I think they've made it really clear, and I, I totally get it. There's a World Test Championship up for grabs in 2025. We hold it. I think Andrew McDonald said, this is what it's all about. We want to win it again. And you can understand our, our attack is... It probably will go down as one as one of our greatest ever attacks, given mm. that you know all of them are in the top ten wicket takers in Test cricket. The one I'd really be excited to see is Lance Morris, but I also think that he's probably second in line behind Scott Boland, given how well he's done when he's played Test cricket. So it's a tough one, but uh, he hasn't. Uh, you know, it's not often you get guys around the traps that can bowl that 150k mark, and he can. And his his numbers have been very good for WA in the last year or so. So. I know he got five for the other night in T20. And it's a totally different game, but there's something about him and not a lot of players like facing that sort of pace. So if there's a niggle or an injury, then uh, it would be nice to see him, but I, I don't see the selectors or the hierarchy making too many changes. All right, mate. Look forward to tuning in today. It's been awesome, the coverage of the cricket on SEN, and look forward to more of it today. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Simon Caddy's here. That was our McCafe coffee catch-up. Barista-made ice-cold drive-through for your ice-coffee favourites at McCafe. Simon Caddy, our guest.